Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bathed Physics Podcast. I'm your host, Parker. And I'm Ray, and we welcome you to episode 24, where today, today, today is a very interesting episode. Before before we start, I want to say that, uh, like, last time okay. we said... Um, said we'd have a guest on which is not the case because oh yeah we did yeah, say that because uh there's technical difficulties going on right now <laughs> but you know i'm hoping that very soon it will it will come to fruition but mm-hmm. for, you know for now we're just gonna keep uh keep doing our thing just me and ray and so we yep. were actually going to record um we we're gonna record an episode of history of physics but oh, something yeah. came up and something crazy came up something crazy yeah we so, uh, we, we just felt like yeah this would be a, a nice episode to do absolutely so uh, a longtime listener of ours uh, uh goes by the email of mitchell clark probably his name as well thank you so much by the way mitchell for reaching out to us on our email so he sent us a couple of questions actually and we decided this podcast can basically be dedicated to talking about those questions because, believe me, these questions are pretty in detail and we can talk a lot about them. Yeah, and we know that uh, most, or I don't know about most, actually, I don't know anything about <laughs> the people that are listening to this, but I'm <laughs> thinking that a lot of people who listen to this don't actually have a formal education in math or physics and so these questions Mm -hmm. will kind of i think uh like most people who don't have that kind of education would be intrigued by these questions as well Mm -hmm. right so Mm -hmm. it'd be a good thing to to... because in general once we uh, start talking about the questions i'm just saying very like realistic questions you know like they're not very in-depth into physics so I think when Parker says this is meant for all levels of physics, he literally means it in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we can start up with uh, question number one. So he starts the first question with dimensions, and he talks about our uh, dimensions video. Now, I forget which episode it was. That's two. Episode two. Oh, wow. That yeah. was old. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So in episode two. So he, uh, this is his question. In your Dimensions episode, you discuss a 2D universe. My question is, why is it in a 2D flat world, the 2D beings would see lines? I understand they have no height and only have a width the 2D observer would see. So while these two-dimensional objects interact or view each other, how is it they see a line with a clearly defined height? If I imagine it is as if I were one of these objects and zoomed in on the edge of the other two-dimensional object, would I not be able to measure its height? I mean, I can see it, we interact, so on some physical level, no matter how small, would it not be still be three-dimensional? Or, mathematically, would it be like taking the volume of a cube with one dimension equaling zero? Example, six times six times zero. And would that not equal zero? Or am I imagining this scenario all wrong? So one thing I want to say off of the bat is yep. I th- I'm pretty sure the way he's thinking of this is mm-hmm. that um, a two-dimensional universe is in some way a part 
of our three-dimensional universe, which is not the case. You need to imagine that Mm -hmm. a two-dimensional universe is just completely separate and, like, it has nothing to do with three dimensions. Because in three dimensions, obviously, we we have three possible directions to move in. But in two dimensions, mm-hmm. there's only two. And mm-hmm. so it's not like it's not like a two-dimensional universe is like a piece of paper that we can look at. It's just if you're if you're in a two-dimensional universe, you don't even it's like like thinking about a third direction of travel is like imagining a fourth direction of travel for us. Like like exactly. like point in that direction. You can't. <laughs> That's yeah, exactly, it. Because it doesn't exist for you, us. You just can't. For us, it literally doesn't exist. And so when you say that, um, you say that, okay, I understand that they have no height, only a width. I think the easy way to explain that, actually, I do have a very easy, uh, an easier way to explain that. Yeah. Instead of visualizing height and width, which is what you're doing, how about you visualize length and width instead? You visualize a board game. I think that's the easiest thing to think about. The board game is like your 2D universe. Instead of now, now the only difference between the board game and the real world is that we are not the three-dimensional pieces. Think of us as just two-dimensional shapes on this two-dimensional board. That's, I think, the easier way to think about it. Because the moment you think of height, you think of three dimensions. You can't separate length and width. So if you think of height, you think of three dimensions. That's why it's easier to separate height from the equation and just to visualize length and width. And then you can see if you do that, even your question where you ask, zoom in on the edge, even that wouldn't work because it doesn't have an edge because there's no height, right? So that question falls apart. Right, right. I'm going to yeah, let basically. you talk because I know you have lots of oh, things yeah. to say. But one thing I want to just get in before mm-hmm. is he asks, uh, like, why do two-dimensional beings see lines? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so this takes kind of like a little bit of perspective. So... First, I'll analyze it in three dimensions, and then I'll I'll show you how it's a- analogous to two dimensions. Okay? okay, so our eyes are three dimensional, right? And they kind of you can kind of imagine your your line of sight as like cones, right, coming out of your retina. Right? Do you understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so it's like cones going out from your retina, and anything that that kind of intersects the cone is what you end up seeing, right? Mm-hmm. But yep, as we yep. know, an intersection of a three-dimensional shape is two-dimensional, which means that yep. our our two our three-dimensional eyes see a two-dimensional plane. Okay? We don't see in three dimensions because if we were to see in three dimensions, that means we would be able to see kind of like mm-hmm. every side of a cube at once. Yeah, that would that would be very weird. Yeah. That would be incredibly weird. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, saying I can see in three dimensions, colloquially, it just means like, you know, I'm, I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even know if I would ever say that. But in reality, we just see in two dimensions. Because mm-hmm. if you hold a cube in front of you, you can draw what you see. And it would look the exact same. So you mm-hmm. see on a two-dimensional plane in your head, right? Mm-hmm. Now, let's bring it down to two dimensions. Now, your eyes are two-dimensional. And instead of a, a cone coming out of your eye, it's a triangle that comes out of your eye. And then everything that intersects the, the line of sight 
is going to be an intersection of a, of a two-dimensional triangle. And the intersection of a triangle is just a line, right? Yes. So let's say there's a, a circle. Now let's pretend like we, we can look above, down onto a two-dimensional universe. And then there's, there's you, and then there's a circle in front of you. We, we can tell that there's an actual circle in front of you, and then you are looking at it. But you have no idea that that is a circle because all you can see is the width of that circle sitting in front of you. The only way you can actually tell it's a circle is if you walk around it and you, and you can tell that the width doesn't change. And that's the only way you can tell that, you know, that's the property of a circle that it, that the radius is, is equal on, on, in all directions. Yeah. Now bringing this back up to like, if this confused you a little bit, bringing it back to three dimensions if you have a cube in front of you but you hold it so that all you can see is one face okay you can't tell that that's a cube you just think it's a square it's a square yeah. right it's it's only until you walk around the cube that you can tell that it's actually a cube because of the properties that you know you know the cube has Mm -hmm. right so yeah mm -hmm. that's just that's why they would see lines mm -hmm. that's my yeah, explanation so that's, that's like an intense physics explanation understanding the physics behind it and understanding why the 2d people would see lines hopefully that made sense hopefully that made sense i think that made sense i think that made perfect sense hopefully right. awesome. <laughs> okay so now that we've talked the physics behind it i really want to talk i mean i've never done this before but i this is interesting so i'm going to talk about it I want to talk about a little bit about the biology behind it. Why do we three-dimensional beings see in two dimensions, right? So Parker explained it using the light cone example, using the cone and how light intersects a three-dimensional object, produces a two-dimensional uh, image, which then we see as 2D. However, we can still visualize in 3D. We can still visualize depth. So how does that work? Mm -hmm. Because... Our retina at the back of our eye, so our eye is composed of the pupil, our cornea, our essential things in the front, and then our retina in the back. The retina is probably the most important part because it actually captures the image. So our light is, I mean, sorry, our eyes is like a convex lens. Now, what happens in a convex lens? The image gets inverted. So the moment the light from the image hits our eyes, it basically hits the retina. Now, the retina is acting as a screen. A screen. What is a screen? 2D. So, basically, the image that is being produced into our eyes are, in fact, in two dimensions. So, the answer to the question, do we see in three dimensions, is literally no. Because our eyes cannot see in three dimensions. They see in two. However, because we have two eyes... And there's an angular shift between the eyes. And as Parker said, as we move around it, our brain is basically crazy. Our brain is so smart. So it pieces all of this information together and it processes the 2D image into a 3D surrounding image, mm -hmm. even though it actually isn't. So our brain is doing all the processing around us. But the image, in fact, is in two dimensions that we see. And I think that's a really cool fact about why we see in two dimensions. And that pretty much should answer the question to, in a 2D flat world, will 2D, 2D beings see lines? 
Yes. And the same thing would apply in the three-dimensional world, why we see in two dimensions. Okay. Right. Yeah, so, so hopefully uh, that uh, question is answered. So what is different in a 2D world? Well, the big thing, right, the first thing is that chemistry would be completely different. Organic chemistry depends on orbital angles. The most basic angle, the 120 degrees around the molecule, will not be possible because, well, three dimensions are not possible. So the number of orbits, the number of connections, the number of molecules will be significantly reduced. The number of elements will be significantly reduced because molecules won't be able to pack on together. That's a big problem. Another thing is because of this, our neural network in our brain, which also relies on 3D angles, will also fail to work. So we will be a lot dumber. So <laughs> us figuring out a three-dimensional world in a two-dimensional world is a lot harder than us figuring out a four-dimensional world in a three-dimensional world. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does that make sense? That yeah, makes sense? I think so. <laughs> so stable orbits. How would that work? Would orbits even exist, right? The problem with two dimensions is that, well, there are no real vectors in any, all, all the vectors are going to be spanning a 2D plane. So there's nothing that exists for height. Problem with that is that means gravity cannot curve space, right? Because the entire effect of gravity depends on curving space. But if space can't be curved then gravity just doesn't work right but wouldn't it have the same effect on a two-dimensional universe exactly 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 that's what i'm coming to that's what okay I'm coming okay to. because it, it doesn't make <laughs> sense because gravity wouldn't work with curved space and in two dimensions there can't be curved space however and this is a paper i'm actually going to link in the youtube description it's very 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 interesting it's called can life exist in two plus one dimensions by Dr. James Scargill. Fantastic paper. Basically, he talks about all possibilities in two dimensions. He talks about gravity, he talks about bio he talks about how we can exist, he talks about how the physics, the laws of physics would exist in two dimensions and he he basically goes in very in depth. So, anyways, so what does he say about gravity? He says that gravity itself as a vector quantity will not exist. However, a scalar gravity will exist and it gives the effect, as Parker said, of bending space. It doesn't actually bend space, but it will give the effect of bending space in two dimensions because scalar gravity exists. Hmm. Also, a very interesting fact is that stable orbits are actually not possible in higher dimensions because gravity inherently gets weaker the more dimensions we have. So in three dimensions, we know that gravity is inversely proportional to the square of the distance, right? In four dimensions, gravity is inversely proportional to the cube of the distance. So now this is going to be really interesting. You ready? Yeah. This is how we know we are in a 3D universe. You know how, how there's so many theories that, oh, there are 4D universes, like we are in a fifth dimensional, yeah. we're in a bigger seventh dimensional universe, stuff like that? Well, no. You know how we know? I'll tell you. Basically, because, this, because of this inverse proportionality of gravity, we captured gravity waves in 2016, right? When we captured them, we measured them. We measured the time it took. We measured basically everything we could about them. And the weakening of these gravitational waves were not seen. 
what was seen is that the as that the gravity was inversely proportional to r squared proving almost that we live in a three-dimensional universe however now this is where it gets interesting higher dimensions can also exist in microscopic realms like string theory for example <laughs> states why do you love string theory <laughs> 21 dimensions and 11 dimensions not talking about bigger dimensions but microscopic dimensions and I think that's really cool. So just this entire dimensions question just brings up so much that we can talk about. Because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot that we didn't discuss in the first episode. And we could have definitely yeah. had a dimensions part two. Yeah. So and uh, anyways, talking about dimensions, another really interesting thing called the holographic principle. So if you've heard about the holographic principle, you might know how awesome it is because it is a theory Obviously, this is like one of the simulation theories of the universe. It's a theory that basically all of us are 2D projections of data. How does that work? (laughs) So Hawking radiation in black holes takes place. So what that does is if any object goes into a black hole, a similar particle, a similar object will be released from the black hole. Why? To conserve energy. It has to conserve energy. If if it just goes in the black hole, where did the energy go? Energy has to come out, comes out in forms of Hawking radiation. So this energy that came out of the black hole is basically the information or the data about the object that went inside. The information, therefore, is preserved. So there was a huge theory going on. I think uh, Brian Greene, you've definitely heard of him. Uh, Dr. Brian Greene also... um, Uh, I think it was a documentary where he said that it would be a crazy theory, but it's plausible because of Hawking radiation, where if this can happen near a black hole, why can't it happen all over the universe? So what if all of us, everything in the universe is basically just data, particles that are being projected into this 3D world that we are living in? So there's a cr- this is a crazy principle, yeah, that's definitely cool. a must read, and yeah. yeah. So, okay, let's just go back to your question, because I've been t- rambling a lot about dimensions. I don't know if I've answered all of your, all of your questions. Yeah, I, I want to I skip forward to question three, because we already talked a lot about dimensions. Yeah, but um, we still have time. Oh, we don't. No, we don't. Oh, we really don't. Oh, my God. I was really rambling. Yeah. I did not notice. So I'm going to go to question three, which is about relativity. Uh, So here's the question. Theoretically, imagine if you can travel at the speed of light, the exact same speed, then turning around so you're backwards but still traveling in the same direction but looking in the opposite direction. Now, since we're traveling at the exact same speed of light, would it be complete darkness behind us? And since we are at... uh, since we are at the limits of what light could move, theoretically, the light behind us would never actually reach our eyes. A simple example would be the sections of a train. Imagine each section of the train is a particle of light, and no section will collide with the one in front or behind it. Okay, so mm, one thing interesting that is very, very important. Very important. <laughs> is that... I think you're going to mention it. I think I know what you're going to say. So... You say, okay, theoretically, actually, no, I'm going to start by saying this. You say, imagine you could travel at the speed of light. <laughs> then yes, yes, if you were to look behind you, 
it would be complete darkness because the light wouldn't be able to reach your eyes. That is right. But here's the thing about <laughs> living in this universe is that the speed of light is just unattainable. If you want to have mass, if you want to be alive, <laughs> and I don't even know, like, we don't even have the means to get no, to don't. that speed we, we, yet no, we literally can't because again all of our cells have some components yeah. of mass that cannot be reduced to zero yeah like we can if we were to go at the speed of light like humans are able to accelerate protons at very yeah. very high speeds but not ourselves <laughs> but in in no way are we able to accelerate like a one kilogram block <laughs> to go oh, 99.9 the speed of light like that would be absolutely crazy okay so one thing about mm -hmm. relativity that's pretty important mm -hmm. is that yes the speed of light is just not attainable and so oh, one thing that, that one thing that you see when you study special relativity is like let's say i'm moving at half the speed of light forwards and somebody is moving half the speed of light towards me. It's not going to seem as though the person in front of me coming towards me is going at the speed of light because we're going half and half towards each other. That's not the case because if that were the case, then the entire universe would just collapse. <laughs> <laughs> basically. That, that, that basically, because r relative speeds, you can't apply these same equations when you're going at those speeds that's basically the answer yeah right? and because like everyone still thinks that it's the similar like two trains you know going in the same direction one's at 100 one's at 90 oh they're going at 10 relative to each other because we have that idea in our head to just subtract one from the other but when you're going at speeds close to the speed of light that that entire equation is just wrong like mm -hmm. you just can't apply that equation so saying that it will go at twice the speed of light or that we will see each other at the speed of light is just compl uh, it's just a misconception because that equation just doesn't apply and mm -hmm. another thing about relativity right is time Ooh, ooh, time oh, wait, time one thing i wanted to say yeah <laughs> um very excited about time the thing about the speed of light is mm -hmm. that it's literally a constant which we talked about in episode three, which is our constants in nature episode, but the speed of light is a constant, which means that let's say, even though we, let's say we were able to go the speed of light, the speed of light in our frame of reference would still be the speed of light. Mm -hmm. Okay. In every frame. So it's hard to pose you know, this situation and say that, yes, when, when you look behind you, you'll see complete darkness because that, like, if that were the case, then in your frame of reference, the speed of light would be zero because it never, mm -hmm. like, gets to your eyes. But mm -hmm. that's just not, like, possible. Yeah. Like, the speed of light is the speed of light no matter how fast you're going. Yeah, that's about Also, it. a very important thing, um, also dismissed in question three, um, probably didn't think about it, but again, in your question, you, you start up with relativity, right? But you miss the important thing about relativity, time, right? Time is also a very important part about relativity. 
So what happens as you start going closer to the speed of light? Your time effectively slows down. I mean, you can't see it, but I'm doing a quote unquote. <laughs> so it slows down, right? So theoretically, this is obviously, as you said, imagine. So theoretically, completely, if we do, or if some particle were to travel at the speed of light, that particle would have no concept of time. So, for example, a photon that gets made at the core of the star, of, of, of the sun, for example, and takes like, I don't know, hundreds of millions of years to get to the top, right? Because of fusion and stuff. To the photon, it's taken no time at all. It does not even realize, like it cannot process events. Because yeah. if there's no time, events don't occur. That means one thing doesn't cause anything else. Nothing happens. So if you are traveling at the speed of light, you will not be able to turn around because you don't like there are no events that are occurring in your life. <laughs> so you literally yeah. cannot do anything except travel at the speed of light forever. Yeah, that uh, is your only option. A good way to think about this is that uh, the microwave, the background microwave radiation, right? At one point, that was light, okay? It just got mm -hmm. redshifted into microwaves. Yeah. yeah. Um, it got microwave shifted. <laughs> but uh, so at one point, that was light. And mm -hmm. for, though, for like the, the radiation that we detect today, those, those particles, like since the Big Bang all the way to now, it seems as if it was less than an instant. Yeah, I mean, not even. Like, they don't... That's the thing. They can't even record instants. Yeah. Like, I don't even think we can think what they would feel like. No. Because I think it's just weird. Because how, how can you imagine no time? Like, what? <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I don't know how anyone can imagine the concept of zero time. Here's, here's one it's thing crazy. that I think needs a little bit of clarification. When you said... Um, you said, okay, if you go to the speed of light, you can't experience events. Here's, yeah. here's kind of how you could imagine that. If you were able to go the speed of light, okay, let's say an event is, is me waving. Okay. So, and let's say you start your journey right before I start, like right in front of my hand. And then when I start waving, you start your journey away from me. Okay, so the moment I start waving, the photons, uh, you know, that your eyes would perceive from my hand would just be, you know, forever chasing the your state of light speed no, but velocity. Again, um, no, 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 but again, remember when you just said that... I know, I'm not talking I start, about... you start, like... I don't choose when to start. That's no, what I'm saying. But, but this is if just I'm at the speed of light. I'm always traveling at no, the speed of light. No, this is an example though. I'm just saying like like let's say you were a photon. Okay. The information like pho photons carry information, right? Because that's how we yeah. that's how yeah. we see, okay? So everything that happens imagine it's like it's like a waiting line of just photons that are all traveling like in a block right mm -hmm. certain intersections of those of that block will carry information based on what's happening but if you're just in that line 
continuously just moving along. You will never experience what happened right before or after you. you you're just going to stay in place in this whole block of just, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, to be honest. Did that make sense? I don't know. Well, hopefully that did. Um, so can we finish the two questions or? There's only one left. I mean, well, I guess. Do you want to do number four? Okay, so question four, special relativity and quantum entanglement. Oh, wow. This is just more of a neat idea than anything practical. Imagine having a hypothetical camera with a lens that can zoom unbelievably deep into space. Now also imagine it is also completely controlled by quantum mechanics, meaning that it can take and send images across space instantly faster than light. In this hypothetical scenario, we could launch this camera deep into space through a wormhole So now we just transported the camera through space, potentially millions of light years away. But because the images it sends are using quantum mechanics, it sends instantly. Therefore, you could potentially view the Earth from millions of light years away in real time from across the universe. You would essentially be looking back in time at an Earth we don't yet exist on. Pretty cool to think about. Although extremely hypothetical, furthermore, you could then send the space camera from its journey millions of light years away towards the Earth at near the speed of light, and the images it would send back of the Earth would be of it aging extremely quickly until the camera reached Earth, in which case time would be the present time. That's pretty wow. cool. That's, yeah. a, that's a cool idea. That's a cool idea. It's cool to think about. And, like, yeah. of course, you know, if we had the technology in, like, like the quantum computers yeah. and cool. the ability mm-hmm. to manipulate wormholes or at least just use them if we find one and also have the ability to accelerate a camera towards the earth near the speed of light while simultaneously taking pictures and sending them through these quantum computers this is the completely hypothetical but i'm just saying do you no no i think what he's asking is like would the physics work I think that's what he's mainly saying. Like, would, would entanglement? Yeah, I mean, I'm not qualified would, right? to answer this question, I, I don't but think I either think, of us are. To be I honest, I think it's but possible. Like, whatever, I mean, whatever knowledge I have on the matter, which could be wrong, to be honest, but whatever knowledge I have, because quantum entanglement is a very, you know, specific uh, subject. You know, it requires a lot of knowledge that. I don't think either of us have at this moment. Nope. But what we can answer right now, at least I think, is it makes sense. Because see, if mm-hmm. particles are entangled, right? So basically entangled are like entangled is a fancy way of saying they're sent towards each other. Because if they're sent towards each other, they literally entangle themselves. Like that's how that's the process of entanglement. So if you do that right? If you entangle these particles and then you send these particles millions of light years away, hypothetically, yes, if it does take images, you should be like, I mean, okay, I don't really know how it would send images. I think this is how it would work, okay? So let's say you take an image and then like, how does it work? Every, let's say every electron. The the spins would change. The spins would change. Okay. So let's say one, one spin would correspond to a black pixel and the other would correspond to a white pixel. And then you just have a whole bunch of these black and white 
pixels that when it takes the picture of course the picture would be in black and white but if you just have a lot of pixels it'll be pretty detailed and then but of also course, we have to use... somehow replicate the image captured onto these particles no i think actually that that's possible well it, if I mean, you just you, you just relate the spin to a one yeah, or a zero to a one yeah that's yeah, yeah that's very possible and so of course you can use like processing technology to apply color to these images it wouldn't mm -hmm. have anything to do with the actual quantum computing because i think that would be much i think yeah i mean i think color actually, would just be more particles you know actually that it might not be that much of a stretch like you can just have a string of particles and each yeah. each string corresponds to a color and then i mean have, if they yeah. already are doing black and white why yeah. don't they just do color yeah I guess. like if we're already so advanced i'm pretty <laughs> sure we can just do color bro yeah yeah i guess you're right <laughs> <laughs> okay but I mean, so yeah sorry sorry continue yeah i mean everything if if we had the technology i would say yes it's it's possible i would say it would be so cool it would be so cool yeah, that would be to really try cool. that out i mean that would be really interesting i would love to see it work but um yeah we could yeah. find out so much crazy stuff about like the history of the earth yeah like super the, the, crazy stuff there's some cool things yeah we could really find out some dope stuff okay so i think we can maybe extend this episode a bit and just answer the last question because I don't want to like make a whole new episode for one question. Yeah. And you can also cut these parts off where we're talking so it's going to become shorter, right? Yeah. Okay, so question two. Sounds good? Yeah. But Okay, so now we're going to answer the last question. Kind of gone uh, haywire, but now we're on question two. She's going to be is brief. Also... Sorry? Oh, yeah. By the way, I forgot to mention one really cool fact um, on the first question. If we were two-dimensional beings, two-dimensional shapes, um, we would have to poo from where we eat, literally. Because if we had a digestive tract from the mouth to the anus, it would literally split us in half. And I think that would be, and I think that's pretty funny. That, you know, it's a cool fact about 2D creatures. Anyways. Congrats. So question, <laughs> question two. <clears throat> you also briefly, uh, dimensions. You also briefly discuss the fact that we have multiple dimensions and that typically people will refer to time being the fourth dimension. But according to space-time, time and space are one and the same. And without one, you essentially don't have the other. So my personal theory or belief is that time must be considered one of the first, if not the first, of the dimensions. A simple example would be, again, our flat two-dimensional world. If it only has two dimensions, one for width and one for length, how can it exist in time if time is the fourth dimension? Or am I missing something? I think you are you missing are something. something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, you say a simple example is a flat 2D world. How can time exist? Well, think about it like this. How can time exist in a three-dimensional world? You know, exactly. it's, it's, I mean, it has nothing to yeah, do yeah. with where you classify each dimension. Like you say, oh, yeah, time is I the fourth dimension. Yeah, therefore, it doesn't have to be the fourth for all of them. Like in the second dimension, in 2D, it yeah. can be the third dimension. It you can, know? It, time just exists. Yeah. Like it, it just exists. So like, to it, be honest, 
to be honest, it can totally be the first dimension in our world too. It's just that we don't really use that because we first talk about spatial dimensions and then talk about time. Right. But again, that is in like the Euclidean way of thinking about space as like space and time separately. But yeah, you mentioned space time, which is the Minkowski version of space time. It's how you view space as space time being literally an axis itself and not separate. So they're just different ways to view the universe. It's not like it's wrong or right. It's just different ways to uni- to, to view it. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. I mean, I think that's about it. I don't really have anything else to say about that. Mm, let's see, can we Yeah, so basically the problem with question two is that I think you just have a misconception of um like space and I mean again, it can be space and time separate, it can be space time. Space time is generally how we view it in reality but when we're doing you know like just simple mathematical calculations like about position and stuff we don't really need time so why include it when we don't really need it right so in those scenarios we can use them separately so again it's all just personal preference so again is that time must be considered one of the first dimensions doesn't really matter again it's just convention it's just how we use it we usually talk about our first three spatial dimensions latitude longitude altitude and then we talk about time. That's just that's just how it's been for millions of years. So, <laughs> millions of years. <laughs> okay, right. so hopefully, uh, Mitchell, that answered your questions. Thank you again so much for emailing us. And again, if anyone wants to email us, feel free to. We'll include your questions in maybe one of these next time. Yeah, so make yeah. sure to follow the podcast wherever you're listening. And mm-hmm. also, we have an Instagram page now too. Oh yeah, true. We just made yep. that. It's at yep. math.physics.podcast It's on pretty cool. Instagram. We also have a yep. Facebook page, but I don't really Oh we do? Yeah. Oh, I don't really use I, it though. I didn't know that. We have like automatic posts. Every time we post a podcast, there's like an automatic thing that goes out on oh, Facebook. Is it from our podcast account? Yeah, but uh, okay. I mean I don't really I don't really use it. If you want to go follow yeah. it, I mean, you're free to do so. It's just math Absolutely, and physics go for it. Yep. So, I mean, Instagram is where we're going to be posting all our like live updates if we're, you know. Yeah. If we reach 5K downloads, new episode, anything like that, you know, we're going to be putting it on there. So if you want to follow it, that would be awesome. Yeah. Yep. So, so uh, yeah, this has been the Math and Physics Podcast. Mm-hmm. I am your host, Parker. And I'm Ray, and we will see you soon. See ya.